When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by irishillustrated.com with Pete Sampson and Tim O'Malley. I'm Tim Priester, and we are going to recap Nordings 41-24 victory over Navy, and then, of course, look ahead a little bit with questions from our readers uh, as Nordings prepares for the big USC game this weekend. Uh, guys, a little bit shaky start. I mean, I think we covered a lot of this in our instant analysis after the game, a little bit of shaky start defensively, mainly due to the safety play. They made a change there. Really did a great job in the second half with allowing 73 yards rushing and 95 yards total offense and allowing just three points in the second half. Yeah, it's um, the, everyone always says every year that it takes a while to adjust to the speed of, of Navy, and a bunch of players said that after the game on Saturday too. So I, I think you know a, a touchdown out of the gate, not that big of a deal. And I, I think maybe you had written about this that I think people were – eager to jump on the, hey, it's another not fast start, but not really because the offense came out fairly prepared and the defense after those two touchdown drives was outstanding in the second half. Probably is as good a performance as you're going to get in the half against a, a good Navy team that's probably going to go on to win eight, maybe nine games. Yeah, and I thought this the second half, normally it's Navy that makes the adjustment that brings them back into a game or, or makes the game closer and Notre Dame just put it on them. They, they were just the better team in the second half. They held them to two drives. I thought it was odd that Navy attempted that field goal, second-guessing. I did, it was, too. Uh, I was surprised at that. Just let them a little off the hook. It was fourth and two. Um, maybe if it was fourth and one, they go for it. Maybe they saw that Notre Dame was kind of tightening up a little bit. But, uh, I mean, that wasn't, the, that wasn't the whole turning point of the game or anything. But they definitely took the game pressure off of Notre Dame. And, I mean, credit credit Brian Van Corder for, for tremendous second-half adjustments. You used to talk about Diaco's second-half adjustments during their 2012 yeah. run. He did a great job this time. Yeah, I think a you know a big part of it. Notre Dame possessed the football eleven twenty six in the fourth quarter, and so that eliminated any chance of Navy coming back. And I, I I agree. I was surprised that field goal as well. Obviously, they had a lot of confidence in Austin Greed, their their kicker, who hadn't missed a field goal in his career coming into the Notre Dame game. But uh, yeah, I felt like that kind of let Notre Dame off the hook a little bit there defensively, and then you know the offense did what it had to do in the in the second half. Yeah, it's. I mean, Deshaun Kaiser, I thought, pretty workmanlike effort, nothing spectacular. And it's, I mean, I wrote about this in my column. Aside from Elijah Shoemate's pick and C.J. Procise's third touchdown run, you're not going to remember anything about this game in a month. There's This will be completely wiped from the memory, and it's not going to have anything to do with Notre Dame's case to make the playoffs or not make the playoffs. But what I do think is significant and worth remembering about this game is that I think this is the week where Brian Kelly got exactly what he expected to get from his team, which is not something that's happened a whole lot this season. Texas, they overachieved by a mile. Virginia, they underachieved. Georgia Tech was a little bit of an odd game where they were great at the beginning and then kind of flapped around at the end. You know, Clemson was a disappointment. UMass is forgettable, but... I mean, to me, this this was a, a good Navy team that Notre Dame came out, was really prepared for. Uh, they were dialed in, and when they had to adjust, they did. The offense was 
efficient. Um, so I think for the first time all season, Brian Kelly has a real firm grip on this team and knows what he's going to get on a week-to-week basis, which is not something a whole lot of coaches can say, including those who are ranked in the top 10 right now. I don't think Mark D'Antonio or Gary Patterson goes into every week thinking like, okay, I know what I'm going to get tonight. Uh, Urban Meyer's in that same boat. So for Brian Kelly to have some certainty about what he's going to get on a week-to-week basis now, which I think is kind of the threshold they crossed over the weekend, I think that is a big deal. Well, I can tell you what Mark D'Antonio is going to get this week, yeah. but that's a different topic. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> something else is going on up north. But yeah, Brian Kelly, I think you're right. He got exactly what he wanted because Navy did what we said would be the only way to get back in the game. Notre Dame takes the lead, Navy fights their way back, and then it was just... <clears throat> The better yeah. team just crushed them. I mean, right. that, that's what it was. And you said 11 minutes holding the ball against Navy. Great defense, uh, special teams. I know that there's, you know, every occasional hiccups that's still there, but Justin Yoon's 52-yarder. That is huge to end the half. And not only him making the kick, Deshaun Kaiser, that was his best play of the day, that he sat and waited. It was about a six, five-second route. I don't want to exaggerate. About a five-second route where Torrey Hunter Jr. came all the way across. He had to hit him for about 30 yards. It was a 28-yard gain. Step out of bounds. Let's kick it. And when is the last time you saw a draw play with 24 seconds left at your own 25-yard line lead to points for the <laughs> offense? It just never works out that way. So, yeah, he had a handle on the game. He's got a handle on his team. And I assume we'll be singing the same refrain next Monday. But it's a, it's a different challenge. Yeah, again. no doubt about it. You know, I just the, – the one – Concern, although they don't play any more uh, uh, option football, which boy Isaac Rochelle was really in favor of that when talking to him after the game. But the play of Max Redfield at safety was what is it? Was just I mean, you said lost. atrocious, and yeah, I said, I is mean, there a stronger just, word he, than that? He just looked lost. Um, either looked lost or just not. It, it kind of got back to the Virginia Max Redfield where. He didn't want to wrap up or tackle anybody. He seemed he consistently. Well, but this he just he was in the wrong. Yeah, path. he just he, overran Keenan Reynolds on every opportunity that he was matched up with him. It was really bizarre to see. And Matthias probably comes in, and yes, he's more fundamentally sound. But on I think it was Azell's first touchdown first. run, he overruns that play and misses the tackle. So. Yeah, their safety play, as good as Elijah Shoemate was, uh, even though I believe he admitted after the game that his big tackle for a loss was actually a bust on his part. Um, he just was in the right place at the right time. Um, the free safety position is a bit of a, a mess right now, and I don't know how much that applies moving forward against USC, where somebody with Max Redfield's speed is, you know, you just got to get in the right spot. I think he can do that. Maybe he doesn't need to wrap up in... in option quarterback situations like he did Saturday. He has to start against USC. Yes. You, have, you have to start same with Redfield out there. It's the same as Clemson. Exactly. He same has dynamic. to be the guy. There's, you know, you, it's not give him a chance. We're beyond that. But Max Redfield has got to be able to play against USC. The problem moving forward, though, is that, yeah, and I agree with you. He yeah. does. The problem moving forward, though, is that each of Notre Dame's last six opponents are scheming against Notre Dame safeties, especially yeah. Max Redfield. So, I mean, yeah, and it's different, of course, because it's not triple option. They scheme against you and in different ways, but as offenses prepare to play Notre Dame, they're saying, "Okay, where are the weaknesses?" And you, I mean, the first you're not going to look up front for that. You're going to look on the back end where the safety play has just been really, really inconsistent. This is irrelevant, I guess, going forward. But three years, three years, the safeties have argued not argued, but the, the worst position group. 2013, no playmakers. 2014, train wreck. 2015, it's uneven. Prior to that, there was a continuous streak of having one all star. 
at safety. Yeah. With Mata, Harrison Smith, yeah. I mean, Kyle McCarthy playing that way and into the role, Bruton, it's it's weird. Well, I think you look at that group and, like, what was what was the common thread among 2011, 2012? You had seniors. And they've had a lot of inexperience at the back end, forced, and they have not been able to overcome that. Now, Matthias Farley was a redshirt freshman in 2012, but... Zeke Mata was having a great senior season that he built off the very end of his junior year. He was not real consistent in 2011, but had a great bowl game and then catapulted after that. Harrison Smith had two great years. He was also a first-round pick. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was a first-round athlete coming out of high yeah. school. You knew that. Well, I guess Redfield. Redfield's could, a first-round athlete. You could say that as well. But I had an interesting conversation with Courtney Watson yesterday, and I would encourage our readers to, to check out his captain's corner because he talked about when he played – he said we had we had two great safeties. I don't know that we looked at Jerome Sapp and Glenn Earl as great safeties. Sapp per as se. a senior was a great. Yeah, a, yeah, absolutely. And he said those guys were when we played option football. Those guys were never out of their lane. And so, as a linebacker, you know you can count on the run behind you being where they need to be. But Nordin can't do that right now. Yeah, I mean, if if you had plugged. Chinadum and Duque into the defense <laughs> over the weekend, like that would have been a big upgrade uh, at safety because yeah. against the option, he was outstanding he was multiple times. Uh, Notre Dame just doesn't have that consistency. Did he, have 20, he had 18 20, or 20 yeah, tackles. 18 or 21 yeah, yeah. tackles. Notre Dame just Air doesn't Force. have that consistent player back there right now. Is you know how relevant that is for the next six games? Probably not that relevant. Uh, Notre Dame is at the halfway point. They're five and one. And I think in the preseason. Five and one is kind of where we all thought they would be. We all had them at six and one, the three of us actually. So six and one after yeah. seven yeah. games. I mean, I st- still feel I that way. Stay with that. Um, yeah. Yep. So you know, Notre Dame pretty much on the mark right now, and I think we all we all said six and one with Jerron Jones, Sean Crawford, yeah. Malik Zaire, <laughs> Torian Fulston, Drew Tranquil. Uh, you know, you get Quentin Nelson in and out now. Durham Smythe. I mean, it's uh, they have overcome a lot, so it's. I think as disappointing as the Clemson loss was for people around the program and fans, like I think you have to look at the big picture now and say they're kind of exactly where they deserve and should be, and that's not a bad thing. Yeah, speaking of Drew Tranquil, of course, um, Elijah Shoemate replaced him, you know, against Navy, yeah. and so and Redfield was in playing the position that Shoemate played against Georgia Tech. So we didn't really mention Drew Tranquil not being in the lineup, but that domino effect had an impact certainly in those early series yeah no question all right well we'll get into segment two on irish illustrated insider next taking questions from our readers welcome back to irish illustrated insider brought to you by irishillustrated.com tim o'malley with tim priester and pete sampson we are at segment two Burning up the boards, our first question comes from Irish Ernie. Schedule-related, halfway through the season, do you think any of Notre Dame's opponents will finish with double-digit wins this year? If not, will that hurt their chances of the Irish getting into the playoffs? Clemson could. I mean, their their schedule's favorable. They have Florida State at home. Temple could. Temple's 5-0. and They've got a big game at East Carolina the week before Notre Dame. Navy, I see them as a three-loss team probably. And Stanford's playing awfully good football. So, I mean, there's a possibility there, but I'm not sure that you can... And Brian Kelly addressed it, you know, with USC's situation. You can't really worry about who's doing what. And Although, I mean, certainly it's pertinent in this situation as we look ahead to the possibility of a playoff situation for Notre Dame. 
Yeah, I think between Stanford and Temple, one of those two teams mm-hmm. probably you would think it would shake out to be a 10-win team. And Clemson definitely will. I mean, it, it's hard to look at Clemson and know how they couldn't get to 10 wins at yeah. this point. You'd have to lose at home to Florida State and stub your toe in another game. And then you'd be 10 and 2. Right. Like, yeah. That's going to be a 10 win team. I mean, the problem with beating 10 win teams is that only like two losses there, and you have to be one of them. It's hard to do. Um, I mean, Notre Dame beat, what, 13 and 1 Michigan State team a couple years ago. Uh, But it's it's hard to beat 10 win teams because there aren't many of them, and then they don't have many losses. So probably Notre Dame's not going to beat a 10 win team this year, but they will have played one, at least one in Clemson. And kind of addressing this, I think, the nature of this question, I think it's important that Stanford is the. If Stanford is 9 and 2, or is, if Stanford can enter that game 10 1, I mean, they're going to, if they lose, obviously this means they have to lose to Notre Dame or this question's irrelevant, right. as Pete was saying. But Stanford instead of Temple, because I don't think Temple's going to get not going to give them the credit when the committee gets together that Stanford would. Beating a Stanford team with one loss, or even a two-loss Stanford team that actually pays for the Pac-12 champion, or one, one side of the Pac-12 championship, the North, yeah. gives you a little bit of credibility at the end, especially if you can beat them in that last game. I still think that it's humans in that selection room, and they remember the Stanford game, and they remember Notre Dame lost by two to Clemson. I think right. that's important. Blue Chip Man asks, with breaking news as Steve Sarkeesian is placed on leave at USC with an interim head coach, is this an advantage or disadvantage for Notre Dame, and what impact will it have on recruiting? It's an advantage. It's I mean, huge I don't, advantage. I don't even know what the somebody on Twitter was like. Oh god, I don't know. They could be backs against all. No, like they're. It's a total shambles you right have now. No, you have no focal point of leadership. Right. right? I'm and sure Clay Helton will do a it, fine job. But. And you've had obviously garbage preparation all season into training camp because of uh, Sarkeesian's substance abuse issues. He's going to rehab for. This is the fourth different head coach. Notre Dame will have faced at USC in the last four years. Like, that, that's a mess. That is a total mess. I, I mean, recruiting is a slam dunk. Dalen Hayes decommitted for five-star linebacker out of Michigan yesterday. Notre Dame had been the leader initially. You know, so now Notre Dame's back in there. He's supposed to be visiting this weekend. Um, yeah, this is a huge advantage for Notre Dame. There's just no way around that. There's, there's, there's not even like a... I'm just trying to be the uh, counter-argument guy here. Like, There are no sports hot takes about how this can be good for USC. No, and it's funny because before we found out about this happening, we were sitting around in the press box saying, boy, the worst thing that ever happened to this Notre Dame game is USC losing right. to Washington. That was an advantage. Nope. That was USC. an advantage for USC coming in, we thought. so. We, but we, now that we realize that it was because of preparation and nothing was going right. But that seemed to be backs against the wall. We still have our head coach. We can go oh, play. Yeah, yeah, this is now. It's a it great, great opportunity. Yeah, I mean, you don't, when it's Notre Dame USC, it's such a great rivalry. You don't necessarily want this situation for no. USC. You want best against best, but we'll take it. And, you know, though, it is interesting. The loss, had they not lost to Washington, this happened. You don't, you don't know if they're interrelated. Obviously, they could be. Had they, had they won that game somehow, I guess you can because it was the worst game ever played. You could have won 1817 or whatever. But this game is so far, unfortunately, this kind of goes back to the playoff question, down the docket this week. If USC was number 13 by squeaking by and Notre Dame was number 12, there are six, five, there is at least five top 25 matchups this week. This is nowhere near. This could be yeah. a noon start. Yeah, they, yeah, they did. This is no, this, if this is a road game, they're trying to figure yeah. it out. It'd be like last year. Yeah, let's just get it on the game. You guys play Friday night? Yeah. But th- no, this is nowhere <laughs> near what it was supposed to be. And it's, it's more because they lost to Washington. Obviously, if they beat Washington and had an interim coach, it'd still be huge. But 
that's unfortunate a little bit in the in just I guess in this weekend's landscape. Go fight, win, go Irish. Ask why is the offensive line still so inconsistent? You know, I I don't feel like they're that inconsistent. I mean, you had the Nelson Bars switch, which is uh, Bars played pretty well. Um, you know, it's the run game has been very good. I think Tim, you might have made this point in one of your columns recently that we, we look at the Clemson game as a real rushing disappointment. Yeah, and they, they had 116 yeah, yards. I mean, how many times did Notre Dame rush for 50 or 60 in the yards? Early, in yeah, the early. Years? BK era, that was like, about ah, 20 yards, that's kind of a disappointment. Um, you know, they're 11th nationally in 10-yard runs and 11th nationally in 20-yard runs. I think the offensive line gets a ton of credit for that. Um, have they been perfect? No, absolutely not. And if you were looking for the best offensive line in college football, I'm not sure Notre Dame has that right now. But they've been pretty good. Um, so, you know, are they inconsistent? I guess I always look at stat- sacks as... They end up being on the quarterback as much as they are on the offensive line, and you've got a redshirt freshman quarterback who's still learning protections as much as I think the coaching staff and Deshaun Kaiser himself have talked about how efficient he is, and that there's a lot to learn. There's a lot to learn. From well, him. the first sack in the first quarter was an inexperienced running back not picking up a blitzer and, yeah. and, and missing the block. So there are other factors involved with this. The other thing is the top two tight ends – um, you know, have have right. been out, and so you've had to go to three, four, five, and 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 Elise Jones is really not a legit blocker at tight end. So uh, I agree. I don't think it's been an inconsistent line. I, if you expect five yards every play, then it's inconsistent. Tim, you point yeah. out the number of stuffs, the the term that you use for zero, one, or two yards, and that has been high. There's no doubt about that. And I, I think that's part line and part CJ Procise's inexperience. I don't think he's a guy that wants to. Wants, I'm not saying toughness, but I don't think he's a guy that naturally burrows for two yards when there's one or two there. I, I think he looks to stay upright, keep going, keep his feet moving. And it results in, he's had, I mean, one-third of his touches have resulted in two yards or less. The good news is almost one-third of his touches have resulted in more than ten yards. So it offsets. So I think they can be better in short yardage. I don't think they have a short yardage back. I think his name is Deshaun Kaiser. And on fourth and one, I do have faith in Kaiser taking that shorter shotgun snap, taking one step back, as Jack says, going forward with 240 pounds. I think that's their best short yardage move. Yeah, I agree. Statman72 asks, Josh Adams has done well enough in limited opportunities to think Notre Dame could run him a lot versus a team like Navy where offensive line should have a distinct advantage. Should we be concerned that Notre Dame had to give ProSize 21 carries to subdue the midshipmen? I probably wouldn't have given Procise any of the last series carries where he had three or four. But other than yeah, that, right, he's the guy. He, I mean, he's 17, 18 is fine. He probably stayed in a little too long there. And the, there's no reason for him to be taking any hits on that last series. They were going to win the game up 17. But, yeah, I, I like, I'd like to see Adams get a few more. But I don't know how you take Procise out during the course of competitive games. Just at the end, maybe be mindful of it. Yeah, especially when Navy scores the two touchdowns mm-hmm. to, to erase a, a, a two-touchdown lead. Look, C.J. Procise is a great running back, yeah, he or he's, he's, he's in the process of becoming yeah. a great running back while mixing in plenty of great plays along the way. Do we, do we worry a little bit too much about the second team sometimes? I, 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 I just sometimes think that there's so much of an emphasis on the ancillary things to the game that uh, yeah i mean it would be great if process could could carry 14 times a game and you beat navy by 24 you know but josh adams has a lot to learn mm-hmm. still i think he's got a lot of ability i guess maybe we i think we said it tim during the game that 
you know, no Dexter Williams can't. Yeah, you know, I thought yeah. maybe Dexter Williams might get a carry or two, and I and I understand where Statman seventy two is coming from, but do we worry too much? Do about we the worry third too much? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. No, I'm doing it. He can be a change of pace though, yeah. a little bit. I mean, he's a little different than Adams. Like, thing. Yeah. I, I yeah. was surprised Adams only got two first half carries when the game was in doubt, but at that point, Pro Size only had seven carries, so well, that's that, a good. They, point. they hadn't yeah. really run the ball traditionally a whole lot at that point, and. I don't want Josh Adams taking those shovel passes and running around the end because that's not the strength of his game. He's just north south in one cut. So, yeah, I thought Adams would play more. He had five car- He finished with eight carries, but five of them were in the fourth quarter. The game's pretty much over at that point. Um, you know, was a, I guess I was expecting a little bit more from him mm-hmm. as an alternative to ProSize, opposed to ProSize just needs a break. And I think right now, all Adams, you're you're kind of stealing carries with Josh Adams, opposed to he's going out there and you're trusting him to get the job done. Tim, you, again, this is something we talked about during the game. I mean, ProSize is people watching on TV don't get, have the benefit of seeing you know what's happening on the sideline right. and guys coming in and out of the game. And ProSize was he was hobbled a couple times. It looked like it was his left shoulder. He was holding his arm, you know, close to himself, but. The game was in doubt. I mean, the game was certainly was in doubt through the first half, and and so since it was only a three point game at halftime, it's still in doubt in the third quarter. And I just you know, and Brian Kelly and 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 uh, you know the the two Mikes have a hard time taking him off the field because he's just so damn productive. And I think Pete's made a good point. It's partly a Josh Adams thing. He's number. I mean, clearly he's number two, but he's not. Hey, he's number two, and we should have him involved in every game yeah, plan. It's not, it's not like yeah. if Torian Fulston was healthy, then right. we, this would be an entirely different discussion. Um, he's not. It's, it's you're stuck playing a freshman. Look, he's you, number you, three. Really, yeah, he's yeah. not number two. He's he, there's a space. It's between. just like on the defensive line. Do you want a rotation? Yes. Well, that's on the backups to be better than they are. And for in Josh Adams' case, he's a, a young freshman. Didn't enroll early. He's got a lot to learn, so this is totally natural for him um, that he's not playing a ton, but he's probably playing more than he expected when he showed up in the summer. You know, on the defensive line, Isaac Rochelle and Sheldon Day played 100% of the snaps against Clemson. That's, you know, would Notre Dame love to rotate Trombetti and Blankenship and Jay Hayes and Bonner in there? Heck yeah, they would. But they're not good enough to take Day and Rochelle off the field in the same way that Adams is not good enough to take ProSize off the field right now. And that's okay. Like, to me, this is, if we're having this discussion in November against, after Pittsburgh and Wake Forest, after you've had a bye and you've been able to, like, sort of, that's been, that in the past has been a, a good time for younger players to take a big step forward during that bye week. If they're still not getting in the rotation at that point, then yeah, maybe you have a little bit of concern. But I think right now, to answer Statman's question, it's, it's sort of natural that Josh Adams is not getting a whole lot of run out there because pro size is way better and Josh Adams has a lot to learn. Wash ND asks, I've been a Joe Schmidt supporter over the last couple of years, but I have to admit his play the last two games has been some subpar. Is it getting tough to defend his mental edge in comparison to his physical deficiencies? Are there any other options at this point in the season? Or is he just going to have to get better? That's a tough question. I mean, I think they're going to have to ride with him. Um, but I, I would agree that Joe Schmidt is, does not look like the Joe Schmidt of last year at all, um, where I felt like he made virtually every tackle. If he was involved in the tackle area, yeah. he made the tackle. And now he's sort of bouncing off guys 
when Brian Kelly said that he was maybe a half step slow, I think we all sort of took that as, ha, 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 you're just trying to needle Joe Schmidt. That may have actually been an accurate assessment. I would say the the last two games, he hasn't played very well. Having said that, you know, Navy had 340 yards. Clemson had under 300. Mm-hmm. Notre Dame is 12-2 and two with him in the starting lineup. And the one thing, he's played with a broken thumb all year, and we just take that for granted because, of course, Joe Schmidt's going to play with a broken right, thumb. Right, right. Um, I think the last two games he's been subpar. There's absolutely no doubt that Joe Schmidt would tell you that the last two games he's not played well. He's a smart guy. He knows how to monitor how he plays, and I think he would admit that as well. You still can't take him off the field. You can't even get Niles Morgan on the field because they don't trust him enough to put him in snaps against option football. No, I agree with both of you in that the defense is doing fine, and he's in the middle of it and leading it. And I agree with Pete that he's not as good as he was last year. He's not making as many plays. I mean, he definitely is not. He had... Georgia Tech, he was a dominant player, right. and he has not been close to that in any of the other games. I generally throw out like openers for a, for some players because I remember Manti Teo had like two terrible openers his sophomore and junior year, and then he's obviously fine after that. You know, against Purdue and BK's first game, and and, and uh, South Florida when everything kind of went off the rails there. So I don't think of the opener that way, but he wasn't great against Virginia. He's, I mean, I guess he just got blocked against UMass on some important plays. Dominant against Tech, and I'm surprised he wasn't really good against Navy because that's the game where you thought he would be very good. At the pre-game storyline was how good he is against the options. No, they really accounted. Navy yeah. really accounted for Joe Schmidt. I saw a bunch of double teams. He has absolutely no chance in double teams, yeah. as as most, most most guys don't. But because he's undersized, he, he, even less. So yeah. I mean, and he finished with eight tackles. So you know, it's yeah. not like it was a in the list in Clemson. You felt like he was. Not really around the play a whole lot. Yeah. And he finished with one tackle there against Georgia or uh, Navy. He was he was around the ball, didn't make every tackle, but um, he definitely made. You know, and I just want to pound on the table a little bit for Kavari Russell because we've been getting a lot He's, of questions about oh. like what's wrong with mm-hmm. Kavari Russell. He was outstanding against Navy. I mean, he I think he finished with seven tackles and they were all solos. He saved some serious yards on two of them too. Yeah, on an outside uh, run. So he he was outstanding against Navy. So that's uh, definitely somebody. It's a week. Some it's a week to week evaluation, it really isn't is. it? It really is. Well, we'll uh, be back on Thursday for our next episode of Irish Illustrated Insider. Probably spend some time talking about USC and recruiting, and we're going to try to get Ryan Abraham from uh, the USC site on Scott to join the show. So. Uh, is anyone coming in for the game for recruiting purposes? Yeah. Do you have a segment for that? We'll have a recruiting segment. Uh, it may be longer than usual <laughs> even. So until Thursday, Tim Priester, Tim O'Malley, and Pete Sampson, you've been listening to Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by irishillustrated.com. Mm-hmm.